I'd like to begin a brief uh, series today from Psalm 23, which is a go-to psalm, a go-to passage of Scripture in the Bible, probably the best-known chapter in the Bible. Now, maybe the best-known Bible reference would be John 3.16, but beyond that, Psalm 23 is very, very well-known. Kids know it. Older people know it and love it. You'll hear it at weddings. You'll hear it at funerals. Uh, written by King David over 3,000 years ago, but inspired by God and still so very, very apropos. And for virtually all of us in this room, our souls have been nourished, our hearts have been warmed by the truths of Psalm 23. And so the series is simply called The Lord is My Shepherd, and today the Lord is my shepherd, and that's enough. Let me read Psalm 23 to you. Here it is. You'll find it on the screen. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley or through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What makes this little psalm so wonderful? You know, the book of Psalms, there are 150 of them. And many of them will fit into a category of orientation towards the Lord or disorientation, I'm confused, I'm perplexed, or reorientation, coming back to the Lord, a fresh perspective. But Psalm 23 is in a unique category all its own. It encompasses the entire uh, panoramic perspective of our connection with God and God's great connection with us. You know, years ago, especially in smaller towns, the local newspaper, in the Saturday edition, they would print the sermon titles for the local churches for the next day. I mean, I grew up in a fairly small town in in middle Tennessee, and our local newspaper, the Daily Herald, you could look in the Saturday version of the Daily Herald, And you would find out, for example, my home church, the West 7th Street Church of Christ, you'd find out what the sermon title was the next day. The First Baptist Church, uh, there you go. Well, many years ago, in Norfolk, Virginia, the Reverend R.I. Williams, who was the pastor of the Fairmont Park Methodist Church, he called the uh, local newspaper on Friday to give them his sermon title for Sunday so it could be printed in Saturday's paper. He said, my sermon title Sunday is the Lord is my shepherd. And the person on the other end of the phone said, is that all? And he said, that's enough. And so the Saturday edition of the newspaper came out with the sermon title, the Lord is my shepherd and that's enough. And I'm stealing that title for today. The Lord is my shepherd, and that's enough. Um, You know, this psalm is about two entities, 
our great God, who's the shepherd, and you and me, who are sheep. Now, you may know something about sheep. Uh, Sheep are one of the few livestock animals raised on every continent except Antarctica. And in the western United States, for example, we have some states that have more sheep than people. Last year, Martha and I went to Wales, had a great time in Wales, stayed in a little small village, went to church at the Church of Wales on Sunday morning. It was about a a pitching wedge from our little bed and breakfast. It had been there since 1187. Um, But in Wales, their population is 3.1 million people. But they have 9.5, million sheep. In other words, three sheep per person in Wales. That's nothing compared to New Zealand. New Zealand has a population of 5 million and a sheep population of 38.4 million. That's a ratio of nearly eight sheep per person in New Zealand. And let me just give you a little heads up. After I retire, you're probably not going to get riveting information like this. Okay, so you just sort of need to be be prepared for that because I know this is thrilling to you, all right? I think Psalm 23 about the shepherd and his sheep is so well loved and embraced because we know it's true and life is so very, very complicated. It begins with the words, the Lord, and and it ends with the words, the Lord forever. I have four simple points today. Here's the first one. God is a praiseworthy and trustworthy shepherd to us at all times. He is a praiseworthy and trustworthy shepherd to us at all times. Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord, and notice it's in all capitals, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. In your Bible, whenever you see the name, the word Lord, in all capitals, that's taking you back to Exodus chapter 3 when Moses at the burning bush stood before the Lord and said, who do I tell them who sent me? Who do I tell them sent me here? What's your name? And God said, my name is I am. I am. I am eternal consciousness. I am eternal eternal consistency. The New Testament would say Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God's truth stands firm. His love, His faithfulness, His kindness, His grace is consistent always. The Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah God is my shepherd. When Lloyd Douglas attended college, he lived in a boarding house, and there was a a retired wheelchair-bound music professor who resided on the first floor. And every morning, Douglas would walk down on his way out to class, and he would knock on the door and stick his head in the retired uh, professor's apartment, and he would say, sir? What's the good news today? And every morning, that older man would take his tuning fork, he would tap it on the side of his wheelchair, and he would say, young man, that 
is Middle C. It was Middle C yesterday. It's Middle C today. It will be Middle C tomorrow. You can count on it. And 1,000 years from now, it will be Middle C. Now, the tenor on the second floor, he's flat. And the piano across the hall, it's out of tune. But that is middle C. We all need a middle C in our life. A rock, something solid and constant. Some of you have been running around looking for the latest fad. You need to come home to the Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh. You need to come back to historic, apostolic, orthodox Christianity and stop chasing fads and come back to the Word of God in a spirit of humility and repentance. The Lord is, notice, my shepherd. Notice how personal it is. My shepherd. Personal. There's a difference between a wife and my wife. There's a difference between a shepherd and my shepherd. And uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I, there you go. I lack nothing. I shall not want. I lack nothing of significance. In other words, what you have already in God, what you have in Jesus Christ is far greater than what you might be missing in your portfolio, what you're missing in your calendar, what you're missing in your bread box, what you're missing in your toolbox, what you're missing in your experiences, what you have already in Christ is far superior. Now, let me just tell you that sheep desperately need shepherds. They just do. They desperately need shepherds. Sheep are dumb. They have to be led and fed. There's no domestic creature more needy than a sheep. They have no homing device, no built-in migratory bird sense of direction. They don't really know what they need, and if they did, they couldn't find it. They're defenseless. You ever been to a circus and seen performing sheep? Of course not. In 2005, in Turkey, and this is true, this really happened. It's on the Internet, so you know it's true. In 2005, in Turkey, a group of nearly 1,500 sheep went over a cliff. It started with one, and the rest said, that's a good idea. And so they just started one after another. 400 of them, it was a 50-foot drop. 400 of them were killed, and then, of course, after so many, this is kind of gruesome to say, but the pile got so high that the rest that went over the cliff, about 1,000 to 1,100 of them, they survived. You know, when I was a kid and did something goofy, sometimes my parents would say, Ronnie, what in the world were you thinking? Well, you know, my buddies did it, and they would come back with the uh, great wise parental question, well, if all your friends jumped off a bridge, would you? A sheep would say, yeah, sure, good idea. 
when the Bible says that I'm a sheep, and when I acknowledge that I am a sheep and I need a shepherd, what that means is I'm not too much of a hot mess for Jesus. And you're not too much of a hot mess for Jesus. He loves you. No one will ever love you like Jesus, the good shepherd. And he invites you into himself. And when you say, I'm a sheep, I need a shepherd, I'm admitting. I'm dumber than I need to be. I'm more foolish than I need to be. I am prone to wander. And I need a shepherd who owns me, loves me, directs me, provides for me. And listen, Jesus has shepherding credibility. Shepherding credibility. You know, Psalm 23 is a, listen carefully, it's a messianic psalm. What that means is it is pointing to Jesus. And it's right in the middle of a glorious triad of Psalm 22, Psalm 23, and Psalm 24. And for those of you who know your Bible pretty well, you know that Psalm 22, is, for example, is a messianic psalm that points to the crucifixion of Christ. Jesus quoted from Psalm 22 while he was on the cross. And I believe Jesus is quoting or pointing back to Psalm 23 when he says these words in John 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. No one will ever love you like Jesus. Jesus went to the mat for you, is still loving you and serving you and washing your feet and sacrificing for you and putting your good to the forefront. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 14, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And secondly, very quickly, let me just highlight that our good shepherd, he sustains us step by step. He sustains us step by step, provides for us day by day, day by day. Verse 2 says, he makes me lie down, what? In green pastures. Notice the plural. He leads me beside quiet waters. Again, notice the plural. The picture is our good shepherd day by day is one who provides for us. And what we ultimately need, he is providing along the way. Sometimes you might have to wait for that next green pasture and be patient for that next pool of quiet water. Sheep need that. And uh, none of us like to be patient. We all want to be patient, but we don't want to develop patience because that means behaving well while I'm not getting what I want and waiting for it to come. But God is directing us back to himself, and we need him more than we need something. By the way, when I was a kid, I heard a definition of good I've never forgotten. It came from Dr. Barrett Baxter. Some of you know that name. He said, what's good in life? People talk about getting a good gift from God. How would you define good? Here's the way he defined it. He said, anything that brings you closer to God is good. 
anything that erodes your connection to God is not good. Hey, somebody says, I got a great big raise last year. Is that good? Well, it depends. Does it feed your closeness to God or erode your closeness to God? But here's what you can know about our good shepherd. He is consistent, and he will sustain his sheep day by day, step by step. Now, let me ask here point three. Have you been resisting the shepherd? Um, Sometimes it can happen without us even being duly aware, so let me just meddle here for a moment. I believe we can find ourselves resisting our good shepherd, and let me just highlight three possible ways. First of all, when we focus on our feelings over our faith. When we focus on our feelings more than obeying the Word of God and trusting the Word of God and walking with the Lord. Now, let me be very, very clear. Your feelings are, are good gifts from God. Your emotions are wonderful gifts from God. They bring color to a black and white world. And the Bible never says that you should uh, be, um, that you should stiff arm your emotions. Don't be under aware of your emotions, but neither don't overly highlight them. Don't worship your emotions, worship the Lord. Bring them, acknowledge them, and bring them to the Lord and pray them. Actually pray them. But your feelings will come and go. You can't escape them. But we can choose to live by the Word of God and not just our emotions. Don't worship them. When you do, here's some things that will happen. You'll run from every difficult thing, and sometimes you need to push through that difficult thing. Your anger will get the best of you, and sometimes you'll cut yourself off from relationships that you don't need to cut yourself off from. But your emotions are saying, Don't lean into grace. Don't lean into a conciliatory spirit. You'll live by what's good, and sometimes you'll drink too much, party too much, lean into sensuality. Sometimes you'll give into fear. You know, the Bible says over and over, fear not. It doesn't mean that don't don't feel fear. You, You can't keep from feeling fear in certain things. It means don't let fear rule the day. If God has an assignment for you, There's something you need to do in the Lord's will. You do it afraid. (laughs) I'm not going to let fear overrule God's call. Have you been resisting the shepherd by putting your feelings over submission to the Word of God? Because when emotions dominate, maturity deteriorates. Here's another way. We begin to take matters into our own hands. And it's important that we be open and available to the Lord, ready to serve. However, you have an ally. You have an advocate. You have a helper. You have a good, good shepherd who does what? He says, you call to me. You pray to me. Let me help. Let us partner together in this. You don't need to stiff arm your shepherd. And then here's a third way when we begin to resist our good shepherd. We exaggerate the negative. Well, Ronnie, you're just saying we ought to be Pollyannas and not acknowledge the negative? No, not at all. 
we, absolutely, we, we should acknowledge uh, what, what's, a, what's amiss. In fact, the book of Psalms, one of the big categories of Psalms, they're called la- Psalms of Lament, where we say, Lord, this is not right. This is wrong. I'm feeling this. I'm seeing this. I'm, this is not right in the world. This is not right in my world. This, I'm sad. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. And the Bible says, bring that to God. But when you read the Psalms of Lament, there's always a fulcrum there. In other words, it's not just somebody being a whiny brat all the time. They bring their complaint to God, but there's a fulcrum. The word yet, or the word but. I don't like this in the world. I don't like this in my world. I've got to bring this to you. Yet I will praise you. Yet I will trust you. But. I will hold on with with you. Um, Your faith shows up well, and your faith is built up well when you take time to focus on, listen, on all the good things you have in Christ and all the good things Christ is doing for you. You do know that your enemy wants you to see only your mistakes. Your enemy wants you to focus on all the uh, the goofy things you did in your life, the things you would love to go back and erase. Here's the good news. Christ can erase those, and his mercies are new every day. Your enemy doesn't want you to step into that truth and into that reality. Your enemy wants you to exaggerate the negative. But you have a good shepherd, and you have more in him what you have in him is greater than anything you might be missing in your portfolio or your vacation calendar the lord is my shepherd and because of that we are not in lack now point four here real quickly why not do this Rather than sort of stiff-arming the shepherd, why not do this? Well, Ronnie, what's this? Well, let me read this scripture, 1 Peter 2. Here it is. For you were like sheep going astray. All of us have been that sheep going astray. And quite honestly, day by day, I'm prone to wander, and you are too. And so here's a reminder and a refresher today. For all of you, like sheep, were going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. And my admonition to you today is to just, in a fresh way, return to the shepherd, the overseer of your souls. Tony Evans tells a story of a man on a trip into the African rainforest. The man has a guide. They're trudging through a thick rainforest. He says it's like a wall. His guide had this sharp machete, and he just kept slicing away, swinging away, swinging away. And the man asked his guide, he said, how in the world can you see the path? And the guide said, there is no path. I am the path here. Jesus Christ says, in a world that is absolutely confusing, A thousand voices coming at you from all angles. He loves you. He owns you. He's worthy to guide, to
to steer, to nurture, to forgive, to help. And just think about this now. Think of all the resources he's given. He's given us the Word of God, the Bible. It gives us his truth. He's given us the church to gather, to forgive, to nurture, to help, to mentor. It's imperfect, sure. Everything this side of heaven is imperfect. So what are you going to do? Spend all your life exaggerating the negative? Or tapping into what's possible? By the way, you do know Psalm 23 focuses on the shepherd first. You know why? Me-centered living is a dead-end street. If you're the kind of person who comes to church and only says, hey, who's going to talk to me? It's a dead-end street. You've got to be the kind of person that says, the Lord, I'm going to build my life not around me. I'm going to build my life around the Lord. Lord, how might you use me to feed your cause and your purpose? Now, I want to close with uh, one, um, one little story here about Robert Dick Wilson. Let me, praise team, you can be making your way up here as I tell this story. Robert Dick Wilson uh, was a uh, pretty well-known uh, scholar and professor at Princeton University. Now, this has been going back several years. He lived in the late 1800s. I think he died in 1930. He was brilliant. Graduated from Princeton at the age of 20. Did postgraduate work in, in, in Germany. Um, spoke nine different languages and was a staunch defender of the integrity of the Bible. Dr. Wilson, one day when um, one of his former students was coming back to speak in chapel, he had uh, graduated about 12 years earlier, and so old Dr. Wilson came, he's seated down there in the front row, and afterwards, uh, when the young man's speech was over, Dr. Wilson went up to him, and he said, uh, I really appreciated what you had to say. He said, now, next time you come back and speak, uh, don't be looking for me because I, I, I won't be back. I only, only come once to hear one of my former students because I want to find out whether or not you are a little godder or a big godder. And I have learned today that you are indeed a big godder and not a little godder. And his former student said, Dr. Wilson, I do not understand. And Dr. Wilson said this, he said, some people have a little God, and they're always in trouble with this little God, because that little God really can't do anything and can't be trusted. That little God can't even take care of the inspiration of the Bible. That little God really can't make sure that we get the scriptures that we need. That little God really doesn't intervene on behalf of people. They have a little God, and I call people like that little godders. And then there are those who are big godders. They have a great big God of the Bible. That big God speaks, and it is done. That big God gives a command, and it stands fast. That big God knows how to show himself strong on behalf of his children and those who believe in him. I believe you have a big God. You are a big Godder. It shows, and God bless you. My friends, what kind of person are you?
I believe you're big godders. The Lord, all capitals, is your personal shepherd loving you, guiding you, directing you by the Word of God, by the church, by the Holy Spirit that you have within you. And you are a sheep redeemed by your great God.